You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a little bit past 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. You know what that means on the Sports Objective Podcasting Network. It is time for just another sports podcast. With me, your host, Kyle from LaGrange Barber. And alongside me, as he is each and every week, is the head coach of Northeast Academy from Lasker, North Carolina. The suburbs of Virginia, as he's otherwise known as. Mr. Stevie Floss. Stevie, welcome into the show. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Stevie, you know, I find out something new about you today. I'm going to start calling you the big boss man. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely or look just like Ray Trailer, don't I? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I, I, I could do the whole baton flip and everything just like he used to do. And I uh, just, just found that interesting. I mean, for, for, for henceforth, <laughs> you are the big boss man. Yep, I'm the big boss man, buddy. <laughs> so uh, tonight we are going to welcome in from uh, – from East Carolina football past and best known for that 1983 team that people remember well, speak fondly of uh, one of the greatest teams in East Carolina history. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Norman quick, Norman, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us guys. Um, I I'm looking forward to this. Um, and that was a great team and we had some great team. I had some great team members and it's something I can remember for the rest of my life. I really enjoyed it. Normal will start out um, kind of from the beginning. Um, I know your dad was a pirate. He played here in the – was it the 40s or the 50s? 40, 50, 49-50s, somewhere around there. Then he got drafted, so he had to leave. Okay, so he played here one or two years yeah. before, before he was drafted went, to the service. Went into the draft, yes. Korean War? <laughs> don't ask me. <laughs> I, I wasn't born in 49. No, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I figured I figured you normally normally guys like to talk about their military service. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, so uh, we'll talk about your 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 career here. So you will know more about. Um, t- talk about how you uh, h- how you became a pirate. Your your recruiting process out of high school. Um, I read earlier. I was doing a little research. Uh, it sounds like you had offers from NC State and Duke also. Yeah, I did, and uh, you know, I, w- I went on a visit and. Um, John Floyd, who's my best friend to, to the day, was my host. And um, I just had a great time. And and, and Coach Jeremy was a was a big factor in, in, in choosing East Carolina. You know, I love him to the day, you know. And he's like a father to me. But, uh, you know, it, it was just – it just felt like the, the best place for me. College town, you know, Duke just wasn't, just wasn't me. I mean, just – you know, I'm no brain, uh, brain scientist or anything, but uh, <laughs> but uh, East Carolina was just it, it was just for me. I knew it when I when I came up here, and like I said, I met my best friend for life, John Floyd, and and he showed me around and had a great time, and I committed and signed, and everything else was, you know, I played at Scotland High School, you know, and I had two other two other teammates, Jeff Begees and Tony Smith, who, who played. I had one. Harold Blue was there al- already, so I had some friends there that came in with me. So 
And then later on, Greg Quick came and Petey Davis and John Williams. And we had a bunch of Scotland High School that came to East Carolina. And um, all of us loved it and still do. Do you, um, it's just an interesting question, just in general. And I know you, you coach high school ball, but without even getting into the transfer portal and all that, you mentioned choosing East Carolina over NC State and Duke because you thought it was the right fit. It felt right. And, you know, you had, you had friends here, et cetera. Do you think kids now sometimes just, just choose the big name more so than what feels right and what the best fit is for them sometimes? Uh, yeah, I think sometimes they do. Um, and sad thing about it right now, I think they're going for the money more yeah. than now. Yeah. Then going to the best place for them, and then it ends up not being where they want to be or, or anything like that. So some it works out for some, but uh, as my wife, she asked me a question. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, sometimes they get go for the wrong reasons and and uh, not happy, and then that's when you get in the portal and all that stuff. And uh, I don't know, our game's changed a lot with the portal and the NIL. I think it's, and I think it's hurt our program. I really do. Because, I mean, we're trying to compete with people that's making millions of dollars. Even in Charlotte, even the Charlotte team, uh, that guy's a multi – the coach is a multi-millionaire, and he, he gives $500,000 to the program himself. And uh, so he's – they've got players that have been paid, and it's just, it's just going to make it tougher on us. Yeah, and we got to be smart with NIL, and uh, not that you know, not that it's an excuse, but uh, it, it is. Uh, it is something that definitely needs to be addressed, no matter who the coach is in East Carolina. And uh, fans need to step up, business owners need to step up because it's it's part of the game now. And I think it's tough for some people. You know, you you got your average Joe that's making, you know, forty to eighty thousand a year. You know, it's hard for them to get in their mind to pay a player, but you can join Team Boneyard which is our uh, NIL collective, you can join that for as little as $10 a month. And if you don't think $10 means anything, well, if everybody who goes to that football game on Saturday would give $10 a month, uh, it sure would add up fast. Oh, yeah, I think that would be great. Uh, you know, I got a good friend who's a, you know, a Tar Heel fan. I don't like saying that, but he's a, <laughs> he's a big – I mean, he's from, he's from Scotland County. He's a big supporter at Scotland High School where we went to school and where I coached at some. And – uh he, he's a big, big alumni at, 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 in Chapel Hill at North Carolina, and he told me he is so tired of them asking him for money. Yep. He's, he's about to the point that, you know, he's getting where he he wants to get out. So I think it's I think that, that's going to be a problem also. Yeah, I, I, I have a friend um, uh, who's a Southern Miss fan, and – he says, Kyle, this NIL thing is just not sustainable long-term. He said, even these rich guys are going to get tired of playing players after about five years. And, uh, and, I, and I think he's right. And I think I, think, I don't think NIL will go away, but I think it'll probably be more – I think there'll be more of a standard. I almost think there's going to get to be a point where there's going to be a market cap instead of it just being a free market. Yep. So, I, I hope so. I hope you're, I hope you're exactly right. I think it's going to have to be I, I, either that or there's just going to go ahead and be a split where your so-called group of five schools and probably even a couple of schools that are currently in the power five uh, are playing a level of division one and then a, and then the power five are playing 
Um, I, I, I can see that happening too. But anyway, right. go ahead. It's getting to it's getting to the point where before the NFL, before you know, if the NFL didn't have a salary cap, you know, I mean, you look at the some players are going to take a pay cut when they go to the league. Exactly. I mean, what was uh, who was it? The the kid from gosh, the quarterback from USC. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Williams. Wants wants part ownership of a team when he that he gets drafted by. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's because you know the amount of money you, you know exactly. You, you got you got you doing. He's doing he's doing Nissan commercials. You know yeah. it, it, it's insane. I mean, I don't mean like for the local Nissan dealership in Los Angeles. I mean for Nissan. So <laughs> while he's in college, how much do you think he's making from Nissan? Yeah. Doing their doing their national advertisement, probably four or five hundred grand. Well, what it was it Baycott is making at Carolina? He's making more money he will in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's insane. For sure, it's insane, and some of that stuff's going to have to be reeled in, and I think it will, or I think there's going to be a split, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm honestly to the point, as much as I hate to say it, I'm almost I I'd almost welcome a split at this point. Um, I'm I'm so sick of. Anyway, we're we, we gonna focus on your career. <laughs> yeah. Get off yeah. on a tangent. Yeah, we can get off on this for a while. Uh, so, Norman, you, you you come here under under Coach Emery. Um, uh, what was your initial presence of Coach Emery? I know he, he he was known as being a great recruiter. Great recruiter. I mean, we we got some great players, and and uh, that's back when you did had to do it the right way, you know. But he he brought in some great players, you know, Kevin Ingers, Terry Long. You know, we had a bunch of good players, hard nose, and you know, it all wasn't. You know, we had some talented players. Don't get me wrong, but we had some hard working kids, and and uh, we all worked in the weight the weight room, and we got along great and uh, together. And it, it didn't matter from one to to seventy five or whatever player it was. We all got along, and and all of us were good players. And uh, but. That's basically it as far as that's concerned. But I mean, it's 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 something I remember the rest of my life. Like I said before, you know, I had a great rec- career there and enjoyed every minute of it. Your freshman season was eighty one. Is that right? Would have been 80. 80. 80. Okay. You redshirted, didn't you? Well, right. matter of fact, um, I was I, I you know used to wear you had a green jersey if you're on a scout team. Then you had a per, you had a gold jersey if you were a second team and purple if you were on the first team. And um, it's a funny story. John Floyd, um, <clears throat> he, me and him both were on a scout team, and he comes in and he's got a gold jersey. Well, the practice gets rained out, and then the next day he has a green jersey, so he's back on the scout team. But, um, you know, I worked my way up during my freshman year because I went – I was – going to the defense line with Coach Broadway, and he asked Coach Emery to come down. He said, he said, I got a guy that's blocking us all over the place. And and uh, and so he came down here, and I got moved up and had a chance to play. Wayne Emman was in front of me. He was a senior, and he, he tore his knee up on an extra point. And uh, so we are going to Florida State, and um, I got moved up, and I was alternate with Bud Laycock, and um, he, was, he was also a senior. And I was – no, he was a junior. And I was a true freshman. And then the next practice, I hurt my knee. So then I did get registered. I had messed up my ligaments in my right knee. And uh, so I did get registered, which was the best thing that could have happened right. at the time. Everybody talks about the 83 team, but I want to talk a little bit about 82. Um, 
you guys went seven and four, if I remember right. Um, exactly. I heard Ed Emery one time in the interview. Uh, I don't know who you, you'll know. Obviously, you played for him. Um, the offensive coordinator of that year left out of the '82 season. Uh, you have to talk about him and who he was. I heard Ed Emery say one time, if he didn't lose him, he thinks you guys would have went undefeated in '83. Yeah, that was Larry Beckish. Larry Beckish um, okay. and Coach Maytosh, they, they they went together. I think he went to Wichita State. Is that right? I'm not, I have no idea. I, I can't remember exactly where he went. And, but uh, yeah, he was a great one. And we and he brought Coach Emery brought in uh, uh, Coach Baker, who I love. Coach Baker, he's a great person. Really was uh, real religious, and he was just a great person. But yeah, uh, the offense we ran was in, was a freeze option, and it was invented by Larry Beckish. Okay, and we were seven and four. The year before we were six and five. Then we went seven and four, and then of course eight and three. Okay, so it was a build because everybody talks about the '83 team, but you hear very little about the build to that. Right. And uh, what was your biggest win of the '82 season when you guys went seven and four? Hmm. <laughs> uh, trying to think who I, my uh, the years get you know as, as coaching high school football. Did you years. beat Southern Miss that year? I know we always played Southern Miss every year back then. Yeah, year. We, we beat him in '83 too. We beat. I don't know if we beat. I know NC State. We beat him in '83. 82, 82, I, don't, I think we lost to them. Yeah, he lost to State in 82. Uh, the wins were East Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Richmond, uh, Illinois State. Yeah. Texas Arlington, William and & Mary, and Temple. I don't even see Southern Miss up here. Really? Southern Miss was 83 when, in the, in the – Yeah, 82. Form. It was not a Southern Miss game up here. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Probably the Temple game, I'd say. Yeah, Who'd yeah, it was a nice Who'd win. Who do we lose to? I can't even remember who we lost to. Lost to NC State, uh, Missouri, Florida yeah. State, and West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your your first start was at West Virginia, wasn't it? In eighty one, yeah. was that in eighty one? Eighty one. My fr- my freshman year. Yep, eighty one. What was it like playing up there? Uh, you know, their fans are notoriously are notorious these days. Well, really, over the last 20, 30 years, for being some of the worst fans in college football in a good way in terms of being hard on the opposing team. Were they oh, like yeah. that in 81? Yes, it was. It definitely was. I remember walking, you know, getting there, and we walk on the field first as soon as you put your stuff up in your, in your street club. I mean, your clothes, your dress clothes, walking on the field, and there are fans out there drinking liquor and having a great time. And first thing I heard one of them say is, look, they brought the cheerleaders here early. You know, you call them <laughs> cheerleaders. It, it, was, it was funny. But, uh, yeah, there were some rowdy, rowdy fans, and they had some good football teams back there. Back yeah, I, I remember uh, – I can't remember who it was. Somebody from Logan era we had. It might have been Semenza, who uh, obviously we have one all the time. I have to ask Matt about this if it was him. Talked about uh, batteries being thrown at him uh, oh, wow. uh, up at uh, up in uh, Morgantown. So, uh, yeah, they uh, their fans were rather notorious. We'll, we'll jump into the 83, se- the 83 season, I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, obviously, that's the one everybody, you know, talks about. Five points away from beating Florida, Florida State, Miami. Um, you know, had had the win over Missouri uh, when you know they didn't know who we were. Called us Eastern Carolina and all exactly. that. Um, beat NC State. Just you know, one of the greatest teams in ECU history. So, talk about going into that season. Um, uh, uh, fall camp, spring. Well, spring, spring football and fall camp going into that season. Did you did, did you guys realize how good you were going to be? 
Yeah, we did. We were because we were like I said, a close knit team, and we really worked hard in the weight room uh, with Coach Gentry, and our kids were really, really strong, and uh, and we kind of knew we were going to be pretty good because every every spring we went there it was it was like war. I mean, it was I mean it was all out hitting every minute of the day, and but that spring before that season. We didn't do as much because I think I, I really think they knew we were going to be pretty good. I mean, not not that we didn't do nothing, but it wasn't as physical because he knew we were, it was the same guys mostly coming back, and we were all he knew that we were physical. And and I think the biggest thing is, is keep everybody healthy to get to the eighty three season. So you get to the eighty three season, and uh, Stevie's a little older than me, and I, I'm admittedly only forty three <laughs> years old. I've watched a documentary on YouTube. <clears throat> By the way, for anybody out there listening. There's a documentary on YouTube about the 83 team. I'm not sure what year it was made. It was made in the 80s. Obviously, you can tell by the production. But uh, if you if you haven't ever seen that documentary, for anybody out there watching and listening, find it on YouTube. But, uh, Stevie, I'm going to kind of let you uh, drive it from here as we kind of go game by game through the 83 season, uh, if you want to take it. All right, I got you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, the Florida State game, you guys head down to Florida State's ranked seventh. And you guys, I mean, you get – you're going back and forth on actually built a 10 point lead with them. What was the atmosphere like? Because I, I know in the documentary, they showed the horse out there on the field, you know, the whole pregame thing. We, and the horse got a little spooked, uh, it looked like. And they were saying, well, they knew ECU was coming. But uh, talk a little bit about, because I know Henry Williams had a big game th- that day, but getting that big lead on them. And how how confident were you guys playing against Florida State? Oh, we were very confident. Uh, you know, we and the, and the thing about the horse getting spooked, we were, I mean, I, we were jacked, and we we really felt confident in playing against them, and uh, we were jacked. And I think that's what kind of we were on the field and and uh, kind of I don't know I don't know how it's about as wild as you could get back then, not not like the days time, but but uh, the horse did spook and couldn't really get his, his spear down or whatever. Right. And, uh, but uh, we were, we were very confident and we were very, very confident. And, and, and we uh, had a great night on offense and uh, struggled a little on defense, but our defense really after that game was really the best part of our team is probably our defense. Right. Uh, that, that typical, typical game, particular game, we had a hard time stopping them. But they were a good football team, like you said, seventh in the yeah. country. Yeah, they ended up beating Carolina in the Peach Bowl that year, twenty-eight to three. So, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but you had a chance. We, you actually had a chance. You're in good field position to to maybe kick the game-winning field goal, and and a, a unfortunate turnover. Uh, ends that threat, but you guys had them on the ropes, and probably if not for that turnover, win that game. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, I know y'all don't have the opportunity to see the film like we got. To I was gonna ask you about this. Was that a fumble? No, it was not. He hit the ground. He rolled. <clears throat> then the ball rolls out of his arm. I mean, we were we were right there, and then we got the opportunity to watch it on on film over and over and over. But it was it was not a fumble. You know. <laughs> And that's hard I, I actually, I actually talked to Kyle earlier, and I was like, "I'm." I, I, I seems to me I remember a lot of a lot of talk about that was not a fumble. Yeah, it was not. It was not. Talk, talk a little bit about Kevin Ingram. Uh, I mean, I I told Kyle, I said, you know, Kyle, was, like you said, he had to throw the old age thing up there on me. But uh, I became an ECU fan at eighty two, 
my cousin was one of the managers up there later on, and we just followed ECU. But uh, talk a little bit about Kevin Ingram because I think Kevin Ingram for that team was the perfect quarterback for that team and that and that system. Oh yeah, Kevin Ingram was was, was a special special quarterback, and it's kind of you know. Everybody talks about who was the best quarterback ever played. We and we've had some good ones these Carolina. You know, we've had some real good ones. Right. And I think he ranks up there with them. Oh, I mean, he played he played years in the in the Canadian League. But I mean, he's not the one that's gonna drop back and throw it 50 times. But he could he could throw it good enough. And he was an exceptional athlete. And he was the thing that made us go on our offense. But uh, I, I think he was one of the better quarterbacks to ever play in East Carolina. You know, I'm a little biased, but, but, but he, I'm You're right. You, I agree. He was I special, agree. very special. Because, I mean, he's in, he's in a totally different system than what those other quarterbacks that you're talking about was in. And, it, I mean, where – just like you said, he could throw the ball when he needed to, but his – man, his feet, he, he killed you with his feet. Um, then you got the state game, which is nationally televised on TBS. You go yes. down to Raleigh. And, uh, you know, state's, State builds a, a, a lead on you guys. You guys come back and get the win. Talk a little bit about that state rivalry and what it was like beating them on national television. Oh, that was probably the highlight, one of the highlights of my career. Not just my career playing, but as a as a team, uh, upsetting them because everybody didn't expect us to, you know. And, and our defense played great. And then our offense struggled a little bit, but we 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 ended up playing better and better, and got better by the end of the game, and we moved the ball, get down there, and wouldn't score. But it was it was a great team win, and it was wild after that game. I'm telling you, the fans oh, were on I'm the sure field. That. It, it was just it it was great. And uh, anytime you can beat anybody from your state of North Carolina, Duke, whoever it is in North Carolina, it's great. But uh, it was a great win for us. What was it like coming back home? We talk about after the game. Uh, what was it about coming back? What was it like being a, a football player in Greenville in 1983, just beating NC State in terms of the the student body? Uh, did you get a lot of extra attention from the female population? Oh, no, no, no doubt. I mean, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was great. When we got back, I mean, there was fans waiting on us when we got back, and it was it was just a great atmosphere. And, that, and, that, and that's the thing that, you know, I tell people, you know, I, I've, I've been coaching for 39 years in high school, and they asked me about East Carolina. You know, I'm not going to tell them where to go, but I, I do tell them how good I had it at East Carolina and how great the town is at East Carolina and the fans. You know, it's to me, and I've been coaching, and I've been a, a lot of college places. To me, it was kind of like Clemson with a lower budget. But, I mean, it's a college town, and everybody loves football, and – um and that's and when we got back, it, it it was it was something else with the fans being there and and everything. And it was it was the the uh, it was a different atmosphere just after that win. So then then you uh, Murray State, you guys put fifty on them with them. <laughs> but then a game that doesn't get talked about a lot, but I'm I'm pretty sure you guys had it circled on your calendar, uh, Missouri. They get, the year before you guys get beat by Missouri. And like Kyle said, they didn't know who, who you guys were. You were Eastern Carolina. Uh, going down there and playing a big eight team at the time, what what was the, what was the, the mindset going down there to, to play Missouri? Oh, I, I thought we I, – I, I really think we were on a – felt like we were on a roll and, you know, played Florida State, which we I think we should have won and 
could have won and uh, then beat NC State. And Murray State was, you know, really an easy game for us. Right. But And uh, then uh, going there, we, it, was, it was big that we wanted to beat a big-time school uh, other than ones in our backyard like a NC – I mean, like a Florida State, Missouri, those type teams. And we come out with a win. It was a great win for us. Yeah. Then Louisiana, you guys just get by them 21-18. Uh, Temple, which was a big rivalry back then, I got a, a 24-10 win. Then you get to the – we get to another Florida team. Uh, Florida State was ranked seventh. At the time, Florida was ranked sixth. Now, this was probably uh, – you guys lose 17-24. to 24, But going into to, to Florida and, and the way that game ended, because you, you if you watch the documentary, you'll see uh, – an interception late in the game when it's tied. I don't know if – I couldn't tell if it was a questionable call or anything like that, but uh, Florida gets the ball back, gets the first down, goes down the field, scores a winning touchdown. Um, what was that game like against Florida? To be honest with you, I think Florida, to me at that time, was a lot – it was a lot better atmosphere than, than actually Florida State at that time. Uh, I mean, as far as the crowd's concerned, they had some great players too. Wilbur Marshall, yeah, yeah, a lot of real good. Nate Newton's brother was the nose guard. They had some really uh, awesome running backs that played in the NFL. Yeah, Neil Anderson, Lorenzo Hampton, John yeah. L. Williams. You, yep, I mean, and they had a quarterback, Wayne Pieces, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They had a real good team, and I and I thought we actually played good enough that we could beat them also. And in the the you know the interceptions we had, Clint Harris, who had a a, a career game. With, I don't know how many intercepts he ended up with, but he had a few. And the last one that he had, which, you know, could kind of put us on the way to, to upsetting them, uh, they called a pass interference or defense yeah. hold on the other side of the field. So, yeah. You know, that kind of way you get out of it when you go to, back then when you go to the big-time schools, they didn't, didn't want them to lose. That's and that's and that's something I said to Kyle earlier before we went on the air. I was talking about that. I said about the fumble. I was like, you know, I I, I guess that at, they didn't want Florida State to lose the little OECU on their home field either. But uh, you know, and, and same situation here probably. And then you you guys go East Tennessee State, uh, get a win over them, and then you get uh, traveling right back to to Florida, Miami, Florida, ranked number five, <laughs> and you guys hold them to twelve points and have a chance to win at the end. Uh, and reading up on it, uh, Coach Emery said if uh, Nord Van would have would have did what he said to do on that last play and just stayed under the uh, goalpost, they would have won that game. Do you remember? You recall anything about that that play? Oh yeah, I can remember. You know, I dream about it. You know, but but with that being said, Nord Van should be put at fault. He was no. such a, oh no no. He was such a great athlete. Any other athlete being a tight end couldn't have got all the way where he got it. You know, he should stay on the go on down the goal goal line as far as the goal posts. That was his landmark. But uh he was just trying to make a play. And he was such a great athlete that uh he, he you know he he ran into our receiver he was gonna catch the ball. Uh you know Stephon Adams and so yeah. You know, but I'll tell you that, that 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 Miami team was probably one of the best teams I've ever we've ever faced, and I'm I'm talking about as far as defense and offense too. Our defense played out out of this world with Bernie Kozar, 
But their defense was um, unbelievable too. And that's the same team that won the national championship that year. Yeah. Yeah. They're 11 and one national champions. And you guys, Nebraska, yep. them to 12 points. I mean, you had just looking at the roster, some of the guys on the roster, uh, Albert Bentley, Speedy Neal, who was good at uh, a good college player, Bernie Kozo, Alonzo Highsmith, uh, just to name a few. I remember the the Shakespeare guy that he was, he was a good wide receiver. But it, it at that time, I, I've, I've heard that the Orange Bowl officials came into you guys' locker room and, and told you how impressed told you how impressed they were with y'all and y'all should be going to a bowl game. Is that is that true? Yeah, they, the Orange Bowl was there uh, for their for them because if they won, they were going to Orange Bowl to play Nebraska for the national championship, and uh, they came into our locker room and told us that. Uh, they were very, very impressed with us, and and they were a hundred about a hundred percent. They they say almost a hundred percent sure that we would get a bowl bid, and uh, unfortunately, we didn't. But uh, and that, that was and that, disappointing. That's something that I talk about every time. I've interviewed a lot of ECU players, a lot of Pete, the Peach Bowl players, and I go back to that with them. I, I I've had Reggie Branch on my show before. We talked about it. I was like. What did you guys feel like? I mean, you're you you guys end up winning the last two games against William and Mary, and uh, and Southern Miss. Uh, you outscore them uh, fifty to twelve. So yeah, I, I guess you were kind of taking your frustrations out on them. <laughs> yeah, was there, I remember that from from the documentary. Obviously, uh, unlike Stevie, I'm a little younger. Um, I uh, I didn't I don't remember the <laughs> I don't remember the game from when it happened, but that Southern Miss game from the documentary. There was tornado warnings. Mud bowl. Game. What do you mud remember about that? Mud bowl. Okay. Was was there? A, but it seemed like there was tornado. There was a tornado or something like that. Yeah, they had and they had to stop the game and they go back on the field. It, it it was by far. I mean, it. I don't see how you really today if you play a game like that, you could end up playing a game. But that, the field was so bad, and uh, and uh, but we ended up coming back and playing and. Uh, I thought we were a lot better than him, but it kind of uh, that the mud and everything kind of slowed us down a little bit. But it made it a good game. They had a good team. They were eight three two, so yeah, you know, being eight three two, so it was a good game. But it was a good memory to get on top of that, and everybody went sliding in the mud afterwards. And yep, I had a great right. time. Did you, did you guys think you were going to a bowl? I mean, there wasn't a lot of bowls at that time. I, I don't know how many there were. You didn't, have, I, you didn't have like seventy bowls for like. like everybody to go to it, it meant something when you went to a bowl back yeah. then. yeah i know we had went to the independence bowl in 78 was that an option i mean what what was being discussed or, or was there any bowl discussion realistically yeah there was this uh there was discussion of us going somewhere like the independence bowl and stuff like that but uh and we thought man there, there was no way that we couldn't go to a bowl game being eight and three i mean, i think caroline was what seven four eight and three i don't think where they were but they ended up going and playing Florida State, like you said at the beginning. Yeah, the Peach Bowl. Yep. But that was disheartening. It was kind of like my senior year in high school. We were 9-1, ranked number one in state for seven weeks in a row, and we lose to Richmond County, which, you know, the bishops don't let me let that down. But uh, we were 9-1 we were and one in Los Angeles, and we don't even go to playoffs because only took one team out of the – now oh, wow. you, get four, you get four teams. One of the teams in our conference hadn't won, but, you know, one or two games, and they're going to the playoffs. You know, they when uh, they get fourth place and get get go to the playoffs, where we were nine and one, didn't get to go at all. So that's the kind of feeling I had after we didn't get a bowl bid. It's very disappointing, 
and um, you know what much you can say, but it, it, I mean, it's, I, I that's one of the hardest things I've had to deal with. That and then my senior year in high school. Yeah, that 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 just always has seemed to me. I've gone several times say about what a ripoff that was to have an eight and three team that lost to three Florida teams ranked in the top seven by combined thirteen points. And and to, and to lose to the national champions by five points, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy, but uh, I guess that's how it goes. Just disrespect, just disrespect Nisa you. Yeah, then it happened again in '96. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a trend. But talk a little bit about some of your teammates. Now, I'm a Steelers fan, have been for as long as I know football. But I was. So thrilled as a kid when I saw Terry Long get drafted by the Steelers, and he goes on to have a pretty good career with Pittsburgh. What was it like in that weight room with Terry Long? Because you hear some incredible stories about that. Oh yeah, he brought he brought it in the weight room like no other. I mean, I can remember him crapping on himself while doing squats and stuff like. He just went. <laughs> he was all out. I mean, he loved the weight room. But all our kid, all our all our guys did, man, and he. And he might have been the one. You got Steve Hamilton, who was who was strong. Jeff Pegues. A lot of our kids were strong, real strong. And I think that was the backbone of our team being strong. Uh, and uh, it, Coach uh, Gentry always tells us we're the strongest team in the country. And it, you know, with the all the thing in Nebraska being right there with us, being the strongest team in the country. But uh, that that was the thing that made us good was the weight room. And he was the leader of that weight room because he loved it. Now he loved it. You, you hear so many, so many pirates from the past, from from your era back to before that to the uh, Pat Dye era, and then all the way through the Logan era. Uh, talk about strength and conditioning. And, you know, all the Logan guys talk about Jeff Connors. Um, you talk about uh, how strong you guys were. Um, it's something we've kind of gotten away from as a program. Is really priding ourselves on being better conditioned than everybody else. Um, uh, talk, you talk about that. What, what, what did you guys just know you had to work harder than everybody else to, to, to beat the teams like Missouri, et cetera, or what, what made you guys, what was the driving force? Was it just part of the culture? What made you guys take conditioning and strength so seriously? I, I think, you know, we were six and five. In seven and four, and I think we would know we were, we were getting to be a pretty good team, a real good team, and we had a drive. You know, our drive was to win them all, and and we had a very good chance of doing that with the scores. You know, it were, but but uh, <clears throat> we we really enjoyed the weight room. We really worked hard, and and uh, we knew it was going to make us better. We knew it was going to make us better, and we knew we had to be strong when you play teams like Florida, you know, Miami. Florida State, Missouri, NC State. And so we knew we had to buckle down and, and do it, and we did. And, and uh, we were a strong football team. A lot of us were. What What about uh, a guy probably one of, had one of the most successful careers as a Pirate in the NFL, uh, Ernest Biner. What was it like playing with Ernest Biner? Oh, Ernest Biner was great, man. He was, he was probably the hardest-working guy. And he was a leader, man. I can remember I had to run gassers, and I was about to die, and he was the one behind me pulling, coming back, pulling us, and getting us, encouraging us. But he was, he was a phenomenal person and and a leader on our football team. 
Definitely. Him and Tony Baker. Tony, Tony Baker. Baker is another one, too. I mean, that backfield, you had Biner and Baker back there. That was a, a, a pretty great backfield back then. Oh, yeah. We had Jimmy Walden and, and yeah. Reggie Branch. We had a bunch of, bunch of good players. And uh, that was they were they were great players, man. And, and uh, not only that, but they were great teammates and they were and they were leaders of our football team. Talk about another one of your teammates that uh, went on to be a legend of the CFL, uh, uh, known as Gizmo up there, Henry Williams. <laughs> yeah, we just called him Hump, but uh, yeah, yeah, it Gizmo when he went when he went to the uh, to the league. But uh, oh, he was he was he was phenomenal, man. I, I, I he could he he did things in practice. You didn't see like we'd punt the ball and he'd be way about twenty yards to the left, and like he was catching. All of a sudden, he he run full speed and catch the ball on a dead sprint. He was just an unbelievable athlete. And, could you do? Could you do a backflip like him? No, 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 no. <laughs> I could not. I could not. I could not. Yeah, he he started a trend through high school sports. We had a we had a kid at my high school, which I was. I was just in middle school then, but our high school, every time he scored, he tried to do a backflip like Henry did. But as as a longtime high school coach now, do you find yourself uh, taking any of Coach Emery's things he, that he would say to you or the way he coached you into your coaching career? Oh, yeah, he coached hard now. I mean, you, did, you, you didn't goof off and – and, and and that's kind of what I do. I'm I, I'm I coach hard and, and I treat them right, but I'm also I'm gonna be tough on them. And that's the way he was. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot from Coach Emery. I learned a lot from my high school coaches. My position coach was Coach Zernhelt, who was an outstanding offensive line coach, one probably one of the best line coaches in the country. But uh, yeah, the, uh, both of them were big influences in my coaching career. So wh- where are you coaching now? Right now, I'm coaching in Dillon. I coached uh, 30 years in North Carolina, and I I was at very good programs. I was at Scotland High School. I was at Richmond County, and I was at Crest High School and and was able to win a state championship at each one of them. Then I went to Dillon to uh, coach. I coached three years there and um, because I went to South Carolina to double dip, make some more money. Yeah. Is in retired North Carolina. I went there, and then I I went to and we won a couple of state championships. Then, and then I went to Carolina Forest, where Mason Garcia is was when I went there. I was there two years, and then I came back home to Laurenburg and went back to Dillon because my mom's health was wasn't very good, so I came back to take care of her. So I'm, so, I'm at Dillon right now. It's my 39th year. Wow, thirty nine years in high school. Thirty nine years. You're doing something right. So, yep, did, were, you, were you you were on staff at uh, Carolina Forest when Mason was there? Yes, I was. Uh, t- talk about Mason in high school, and uh, and um, you know he he clearly has d- Division one talent. So uh, just just talk about him in high school. He was different, man. I mean, he you talking about strong. And we talk about our, our 83 team. He's that type of person. I mean, I can remember being in the weight room with him, and he played basketball. And um, when they played bas- had a basketball game, we tell him to go to the back and lift light because they had a game that night. Um, he said, "No, coach, I'm staying up front. I'm going to work out. I, I don't, you know, I'm going to work out." And so he's in there lifting his butt off. And the uh, basketball coach comes in and said, "Well, he's going to be real great tonight." You know, the basketball coach, he loved, loved football, but he was he was also wanting him to be good that night against Myrtle Beach. 
Well, Mason ended up scoring like 28 points and had like 19 rebounds. Oh, and so, wow. yeah, so he said next time he probably threw it a little hard, he might get 30. But uh, <laughs> he's just he was a phenomenal athlete, man. He can run, strong, uh, great teammate. Everybody, all the kids love him, and and he's got he's probably got the strongest arm I've ever seen on a kid. Why? Go ahead. I know he's struggling a little bit right now, and but but it's not all Mason. No, and it, it's not all it's not all one thing. You know what I'm saying? It's a combination of things, and I think they were, you know, I, I know this season's kind of lost a little bit, but but I think we got a good staff. You know, Coach Houston's. Uh, He's won before, and he's, everywhere he's been, and he's won there, and everybody want you know didn't want him to leave, and now they you know you get people that want him to leave, and and, and that that's the only thing that disappoints me in Pirate Nation is not that they're not happy because I'm not happy that we're not winning, but but getting behind a a phone and bashing the coaches and the players is not the right thing to do. You know, it's just like if I if I had my son out there on the field. And he made an error or struck out. I don't want somebody in the stands or somebody on, on Facebook saying that my kid's sorry and, and can't play. Right. And that's the only thing that disappoints. I know they're not having a good year, all right? But it, I'm telling you, coaching's not easy, guys. I mean, you got to depend on – we. I, I depend on 16, 17-year-olds, and they're depending on 18, 19, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, and, it, and it's hard. And, uh, yeah. and I know everybody's disappointed. Uh but sometimes you got to put your money where your mouth is. I mean, they they, they need help too to get players, and uh, whatever it takes. But uh, I hadn't been doing it quite as long as you have. I've, I'm only in my 13th year. I hope I make it to 39 years before yeah. that. Depending on 16 and 17 year olds, you're right. Sometimes I got a lot of gray hairs, and it didn't come from my kids. It came from those kids. Yeah, yeah. When, when you're watching, when you're watching Mason, you know this year. You know, seeing him play in high school, you talk about his big arm, and um, you know, I, I watch him. You know, as a layman, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I kind of wonder why we don't roll the pocket more with him. I kind of wonder why we don't. You know, he seemed comfortable running the little bit of speed option we ran against SMU. He seemed very comfortable doing that. Um, I, you know, I've heard about his big arm. We really haven't thrown downfield with him yet this year. I know some of that's to do with the offensive line. Um, it, it, ideally, what do you think Mason would be most comfortable doing? What kind of system? You know, I, it's hard for me to say, you know, what system. I know our system was not as complicated, but it's not going to be as complicated in high school as in, in college. But um, he's a type person. Like, I, I used to tell my lineman at, at Carolina Forest, I said, just give the man some time. Y'all can't, y'all can't get, let him have pressure. Because, I mean, if he gets time, he's going he's gonna to complete the ball. He's going to throw the ball. So, you know, getting a little more time. And, it, and it's tough now on the, the offensive line coach who lost three players right before, he, you know, when, right when he got there. People don't realize that we got one at Auburn starting, one at Oregon, Oregon starting. And, yeah. you know, he's he's lost some players. And we're trying to get players in, you know. And he, he's had a tough time, man, with all the people we lost. We lost two two tackles that went to the – tried out for the league. So, we had some good good linemen. Uh, coach Shank Waller was our line coach. He's a great line coach. I've learned a lot from him. But uh, his new guy seems to be good. I've talked to him, and I think he's a good coach. I really do. I don't know if he's got the players right now. And because um, I'm telling you, we face some good defenses, and we face some good defensive lines. You know, I hope we can get better. 
and and uh, give him a chance to recruit when he's here full time instead of you know had to come in and and try to get players after we had three or four we were actually five people leave to the NFL or trying out for the NFL and to other schools. This guy's that's tough to replace all them. I'd hate to do that. Yeah, obviously there's gonna be staff changes. Um, you know, Donnie, I, I'm, I'm, I think it was probably the plan preseason anyway for Donnie to retire at the end of the year. Um, depending on, you know, the I've heard good things about the O-line coach also. Um, one from an NFL offensive line coach who uh, says he's the real deal. Um, so, you, but you never know uh, with, with an all likelihood a new OC coming in. Um, sometimes they want their own, their own O-line coach. So it'll be interesting to see. How, how that plays out. Uh, obviously, we need to hit the portal hard for some offensive linemen. That 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 is uh, that, that is a necessity beyond necessity. Oh yeah, we got a we got a comment here from Justin Butts. He said he's one of his good family friends, Will Clark, coaches at Dillon. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, My, uh, co- uh, Will. I coached with his dad at Scotland. He's 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 retired now. And then Will came to Scotland. He was actually part of staff that we won a state championship in 2011 at Scotland. And uh, he was a quarterback coach, office coordinator, and I was the office line coach. And uh, he, he he's a great coach. And, uh, yeah, I, I like Will a lot. You got you got any uh, former offensive linemen about the play, places you've coached that are somewhere right now that may be entering the portal this year that you can maybe give a nudge no, to? I, I tell you what I got, <laughs> I tell you, I got a left tackle right now. That's that's the number one left tackle in the country, rated number one left tackle in wow. the country. Wow! I'm assuming he, he's not coming to East Carolina. Well, <laughs> right now he's going to South Carolina, and and uh, you know that's getting back to about the money and stuff. He's going to get a lot of money thrown at him because I mean, I, the Alabama coach, offensive line coach, and and the LSU line coach said, "Coach, he's the best left tackle in the country." He's not a center. He's not a guard. He's not a right tackle. He is a left tackle, and he's one of the best. One, he is the best one I've, we've seen. And so they're they're on him. Everybody's off him. Alabama, everybody. But his parents were part of uh, South Carolina when it, they went to South Carolina, and he likes it there. He's got some friends that he's met that's there, so he's very happy going to South Carolina. And uh, I don't try to influence them where to go. They got to be happy because I don't want to say you need to go to. You need to go to Georgia. You, you need to go to Alabama. And then he gets there and he's not happy. Right. So he's got to be happy. And he's a great, he's a great kid and he's a super player. I mean, he's a better person than he is player. I, I promise you that. He's got great parents and uh, he's just a great kid. And I, I've enjoyed coaching him. You know, as a ninth grader, he I brought him up on the varsity just to be on a just I want to I want to be on him. All the time, he wanted to go down and let the JV coach coach him, which we got a good JV line coach. But I wanted to coach him. About halfway through the season, he was ready to play some, and he played, played a lot. And then, and that, then it kind of hit after that. He started recruiting. We go back to talking about, you know, you had coached sixteen-year-olds, fifteen-year-olds. He's probably fourteen, just turned fifteen. Wow. We we're watching film, and I said, uh, "Watch your guy in front of you. See what he's, what his weaknesses are, what he's doing, and stuff like that." He looked at me and said, Coach, how do I know which one's me? You know, <laughs> I said, you're the left tackle. You played the left tackle on that. I know because one time they're going this way, one time they're going this way. And so, that, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to coach a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old. 
But yeah. now he knows. He knows now. <laughs> and he knows how to do it. But he's a great Just, kid. Justin Butt said he'll pony up the money to get him here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll probably take a lot, though. Yeah, it'll probably take a lot. We're going to put his side. We're going to put a picture of him on the side of the 18 wheeler, Justin. He's going to be on the side of the hauler. That's, that's, uh, so there you go. That's how I said Justin's evolved with our, uh, with our transporting uh, company there. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, you know what, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you, you tell him, uh, you tell him coach Beamer and, and, uh, South Carolina I'll wait on him. Just, just come here. He can start as a freshman and then, yeah, he, and then right. he can get more oh, yeah. NIL money from South Carolina in the portal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you never know. You, you it runs in cycles. I, like I was told, I, you know, coach Tess, he recruits our area and I love coach Tess. He's a great coach and he, he and he recruits our area and I was talking to him. I said, you know, the way this portal thing goes, you know, some, he might not be so, be happy, and one day wants to find a place. Maybe East Carolina might be the place. You know, might be. Yeah, but you never know. You never know with kids like that. But you know, let me ask you a question. You deal with different high school coaches, or excuse me, different college coaches, obviously coming to recruit your players. Uh, Shane Beamer comes across as incredibly nice. Uh, how is he personally? Uh, have you dealt with him much? Yeah, yeah. Here recently, now, like last spring, we dealt with a lot of them. Uh, he flew in. Kirby Smart, uh, all of them flew. They came from everywhere, man. They're flying in. But Beamer is a good person. He's he's uh, he really is, and uh, he treats you right. And uh, he's he's a good person. He's yeah, he not too like big. It. He's not too big for you. Yeah, he, he, he and crazy thing about it, Pirate Nation. Uh, when we made the terrible mistake of firing Ruffin McNeil, uh, Shane Beamer was on his dad's staff at Virginia Tech at that time, and and uh, Frank Beamer retired. Shane Beamer contacted uh, Jeff Comfer about uh -huh. a job, and uh, Comfer wouldn't even give him an interview at the time. <laughs> so, yeah. True story. Yeah, Justin uh -huh. is saying he'll park his rig right outside that boy's class if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> that Justin, you you uh, you talk to your dad, and uh, y'all pony up some money there. Uh, let's go. Let's Let's go get. Let's go get him. Yeah. I. Uh, so. Uh, so. So. Coach. Um. I'm call you coach now because. Uh, yeah, That's you know, fine. That's why you called all the time. Out of respect. Um. Is it more rewarding for you to win as a player, or is it more rewarding to you for you to win as a coach and see your players succeed? That's a tough question there now. <laughs> but you know what? I. I want to see my kids. Oh, yeah, I'd rather see them succeed. Whether it succeed is not going somewhere and being an All American or, or being a starter or whatever. It's what you what you end up afterwards. Right. And you know. You know what I'm saying what what happens after you graduate, after you you play a pro football, whatever. That's what that's succeeding to me, and that's that's gratifying. Really is. That's more gratifying than you know them going and being a starter here and there. Now that's nice, but uh. Yeah, I, th I think it's the kids succeeding. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, I did enjoy playing, though. I did enjoy playing. Well, I, I tell my kids all the time, as much I miss it so much, and this is the closest thing I can do to get back on the field is, is to coach you guys. So that that's if I got to put up with them and uh, deal with them for that long, that's what I'll do. But, yeah, when you see a kid get it and <clears throat> when it clicks – and he finally starts learning 
and knowing, I, all right, this is what I got to do. I got to do this. And it, and it starts clicking. It starts happening for him. Yeah, that, that's been better to me than any win I've had back in high school when I played. Oh, yeah, ain't no doubt about that. There's no doubt. Norman, uh, look, looking back at some of the teams you played, uh, those Miami teams were notorious for their swagger and talking trash. Uh, <laughs> how, how bad was the trash talk against Miami? And uh, I, I, was it any worse than it was against NC State? Not really. I mean, <clears throat> Wilbur Marshall is probably the biggest uh, junk talker. I was talk. getting ready to say his name. Yeah, he was probably the biggest junk talker. But, I mean, you know, we played against Jerome Brown when he was a freshman, and he didn't seem like no freshman, though. You know, John, Jerome Brown played for Phillies and and everything, but he uh, he really didn't talk junk. He was a freshman, but he he talked junk on the field though, as far as playing. <laughs> I know I, when we had Tony Collins on a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Super Bowl where he was with the Patriots, and it. I asked him who talked the most junk for the Bears that year. He said Wilbur Marshall talked it the entire game. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I knew Wilbur Marshall. Yeah, he likes to talk a lot. He could back it up too. Yes, he could. He definitely could. <clears throat> so, Steve, you got anything else for Norman? I, I'm good. I just want to say thank you. It's an honor and, and, and a privilege to be able to talk to somebody from that team. That's those those teams, the 82, 83 teams. That's what made me a pirate, and I'm still a pirate to this day because of you guys. Me too. I'm a I'm a pirate to I die. <laughs> and same here, Norman. I, I've been uh, like I said, uh, I've been I've been following the program since '91. 11 years old and uh, became a diehard fan in 94. Hadn't missed a game since. So I, I don't have the years you guys put in, but uh, also a pirate till I die. I think that's one thing we can all agree on. Is and actually, we love ECU. Me and my wife talked about this when we retire, and I don't know how much longer I'm going to do it. It's, it's getting close to being retired. We, we want to move back to Greenville and stay. Okay. Yeah, we, I mean, we love it there. My daughter played softball there. And, uh, and I play, of course, I play football, so we love it there in Greenville. It's just a great town. Well, we uh, we will definitely welcome welcome you back. I don't I don't live in Greenville. I'm in the big city of Lake Grange, if you know where that is. And uh, North Lenore High School will be our local oh, high yeah. school for frame of reference. <laughs> and uh, but uh, I'm sure everybody would love to have you back in Greenville. Tony Collins is moving to Louisiana. Maybe y'all can move into his house. There you yeah. go. Yeah, we've been <laughs> looking at different houses and stuff, but. Uh, Hopefully one day I can get back there. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed going to baseball games. I enjoyed going to basketball games. I enjoyed going. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a golfer. I might play golf. I play some golf. But I'm not one that can go every day and go out there and play golf. But uh, I could go out there and watch a game anytime, whether it's football, basketball, or, or, or softball, or baseball. Yeah, yeah, you'd be right there. For you have, have, have all the, uh, the sports right at your fingertips. You can go to a game every day. So, uh my my dream is to uh, is to kind of go the other direction, um, not for the football, but uh, one day I, I plan to retire to the Boone Blowing Rock area, um, and just have to deal with Appalachian State football. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> more so than was it. But normal, we uh, we thank you for coming on. We thank you for your contributions to the uh, football program, yes. both uh, but yeah, as a player and your continued contributions, uh, coaching high school athletes, and uh, you know uh, we got to. Somehow uh, convince that kid there that, that left guard to uh, left tackle to uh, to come be a pirate. He don't he don't need that. He don't need anything. <laughs> South Carolina's got enough good players. The SEC yeah. is overrated. Yeah, yeah. Over- Tell them how pretty the girls are in Greenville. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I told them that now. Yeah, I've, to, I've told them that 
what kind of the ratios there, and it's it's good. Hey, I enjoyed talking to y'all guys. It's been an honor, and I, I like listening to y'all show. And and uh, but I appreciate y'all having me. Thank, Thank you, you Thank you for coming on. No problem, guys. All right, Stevie. So uh, we uh, we gotta we gotta start breaking down this week's game against UTSA as we uh, look forward to playing the Roadrunners down in uh, San Antonio in the Alamo Dome. Um, I uh, boy, uh, UTSA Frank Harris, um, hell of a quarterback. Year number seven for him uh, in San Antonio. He's had some injuries. COVID year. Crazy to think somebody's been in a, in a place for seven years. He, he, Bo, him and Bo Nix are going at it for who can stay in college the longest. No kidding. There, there's quite a few actually that are in their seventh year. Yeah. I remember when Patrick Pinkney, you know, yeah, Pat, no, yeah, Patrick Pinkney was in his sixth year, and people were like, sixth year? Nah, that's that's, that's <laughs> nothing now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, man, it's a tall task. Uh, their defense is uh, pretty good. They held Florida Atlantic 10 points last week. Um, our offense is a hot mess. Um, I, uh, you know, you never know what can happen on any given Saturday, but unfortunately I see a blowout this Saturday. Uh, I'm on the same way. Uh, Emmanuel Paul, who is watching said, what percent do you give the guys, guys give the Pirates win this weekend? Oh um, God. Uh, 5%. Yeah. I would say five, maybe six, seven at the most. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's not. It's not. I don't think it's going to be pretty this week. I really don't. No, I don't either. Um, Frank Harris, will, you know, Frank Harris got the experience. They got an offensive line that can hold up. Um, they'll be able to score on our defense, unlike a lot of other schools have. A lot of schools struggle against our defense. They'll be able to score on us, and then their defense is good. I, I think this is probably going to be a pretty lopsided score. I'm thinking something like forty-two-seven. Um, yeah, I'd uh, say something in that. What time is it? What time is it? It says three three thirty game. Okay. Yeah, three thirty ESPN plus. Um, I don't think it's gonna be pretty. I um, you know, I, you know, I, I, uh, yeah. I, I don't even want to get into all the stuff with the coach. You know, after having after having normal quick on, we'll save that for another time. Um, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite either. Um, but at the same time, uh, out of respect for Norman and. Uh, and, and, and him being on our show tonight, I'll, I'll save uh, my thoughts and opinions on uh, the coaching staff for, for a different show. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, one thing for sure, Mike Houston can coach. Um, I, I, I've never once in Mike Houston couldn't coach. Well, what I kind of think has happened here is a situation where he didn't develop his offensive players, you know, properly. Now, whether that was – because he thought he wasn't going to be here. He thought last year's team was probably going – he's been a ladder climber his whole career, and, and right. that's a proven fact. You just look at how – he's never been anywhere this long. And I don't know if it's because – I don't know if it's, he doesn't know how to develop a program for the long haul because he's never done it or if it was just because he didn't think he was going to be here. But um, I know we lost some offensive linemen to the portal, and that is definitely affecting the team. But there is no reason we should be this bad on offense. And, you know, it, it goes back to really – we knew what we were going to have at offensive line. But I, I think a lot of it has to do, besides the offensive line, is I, I don't think we do a good job developing quarterbacks. I don't think we've had a true quarterback coach the whole time he's been here. I think Holt Naylor succeeded in spite of that. Um, 
you know, and that's not a knock on Donnie. It's just, I, I don't know that Donnie, you know, Donnie had Chris Redman at Louisville, but I, I don't know that Donnie's ever been known as a great quarterback's coach. He's a hell of a receiver's coach. Um, but, uh, and also something that, you know, this is a hindsight. This is our second guessing. I, um, I talked to nauseam to Bubba over the last few years about the lack of, of recruiting at receiver. I didn't ever think we had been bringing in enough receivers. And I also don't think we play enough receivers. And still this year, I don't think we play enough receivers um, to, to get them ready. So um, I think it's a combination of things. And, you know, I'm hoping we don't have worst case scenario and finish one and 11, but we won't get into all that right now. Um, but as far yeah. as this week's game against UTSA, um, no, I think it's going to be ugly. I, I really yeah. do. I, um, Unfortunately, I think so too. And you know the 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 rumor and speculation out there uh, is that um, oh God, I'm having a brain fart. Steve, you help me out. Our tight end, uh, Shane Calhoun. Uh, there's there's the uh, the word is Shane Calhoun suffered an injury at the end of the Charlotte game and may be out for the rest of the season. Uh, thankfully, That's exactly what we need exactly. Thankfully, we do have Tyler Savage back um, as of last week. Um, if <laughs> If we didn't, uh, Steve, you might would have had to sit up and play tight end. I mean, hey, put me out there, fifty-year-old. I, I still got it. I, <laughs> I, at this it point, would be. At this you, remember, point, I, you remember on the Water Boy when uh, I guess all the other schools decided to let their Water Boys. I think Michigan. They had a cliff on the Michigan Water Boy getting out of the field, and he got nailed. Yeah. That would be me. That would be me. <laughs> So, uh, thankfully, we have Savage back this week. Because uh, if we didn't have him with Calhoun being out, I, I, we'd be in a mess tight end. But uh, Calhoun is yeah. one, one of the guys that has been productive at times this year. And uh, so, that takes another offensive weapon away. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we're going um, to struggle this week, to put it nicely. Yeah. So. Uh Emmanuel Powell, he's asking, do we think getting rid of Houston is the answer? Um, I think if we go one and 11, it's going to have to be. Um, I, I don't see him surviving. I, a losing season is one thing. A one and 11 season where you're averaging, you know, 10, 12 points a game, I don't see how you can survive that. Uh, whether it's the right answer or not, I just don't think people, boosters, et cetera, will allow that to happen. Um, yeah. it, it's hard to, it's hard to come back from one and 11. Um, and I now mean, it, go ahead. Steve. It's, it's, it's like I said, I've seen some rough years since, of course, everybody talks the Thompson years, uh, Montgomery. Scott Montgomery years, but you know, back in, in the day, you know, Art Baker, when he took over, he didn't have uh great seasons either, but the difference was we were playing, Teams like Auburn, Penn State, uh, Miami, and we went down to Penn State and almost beat Penn State at Penn State one year with Art Baker there. And it was it was not where like a ten point lead. Like I think that was somebody said the other night when when Charlotte got up ten points with our offense, it was like okay, game's over. Where our offense will never score. Uh, 14 points or higher, or, you know, get over 10 points in that little time, the way they're going. I mean, and, yeah. and that's just sad. I mean, it's sad when when you're looking at a a college team that can't get you, you – you don't have enough confidence in them to get 10 points. 
And that's exactly right. And, you know, we went one and 11 when John Thompson was here. He did have an FBS win over Army. Um, and that was a very tough schedule. Miami, uh, West Virginia, uh, North Carolina. You know, that was back when Conference USA was still Conference USA and Louisville was Louisville and TCU was TCU and Southern Miss was Southern Miss and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, with this schedule and this offense, I don't see him surviving 1 and 11. I hope uh, we manage to win a couple more games, get to 3 and 9. I, uh, you know, have some, you know, maybe we win the last two against Navy and Tulsa take some positive momentum in the next season, make a lot of changes on the offensive side of the ball with both staff and uh, personnel with hitting the portal, get a new OC in here. Um, but I think if it's 1-11, and 11, uh, I, I don't see how you can it, retain him. And nobody nobody wants to see any or, you know, a coach get fired, get let go here. Uh, no, I hope we went out. I don't want to have to go through, you know, the whole – coaching carousel thing again but uh you know if it I, i'm like you if it goes to 111 it's it, it's very doubtful to me that houston will be back next year no because the noise is just gonna keep getting louder and louder exactly and, you know the charlotte game was kind of the catalyst where people said enough is enough and you, you get blown these and and boy i tell you what having utsa and tulane right after that oh gosh uh you know oof. Um, it, 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 it could get real, real, real nasty around here in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to try to, um, I'm not going to change my perspective uh, at all, but I'm going to try to keep my cool and measure what I say a little bit better. Um, but, um, I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. Um, I feel how I feel and yeah. I'm going to uh, continue to say what I've been saying, just probably in a little bit more measured way. Um, so we'll, uh, We'll see how it plays out. You know, um, I think for us to succeed this year, Stevie, um, we're going to have to be very creative on offense. I really believe um, doing some different things like running some option type stuff, you know, throw some stuff at them they haven't seen, some stuff that's easy to execute where you can get players in space. You know, we we run very little option. We come out this week against UTSA and run option. They're not going to be prepared for it. You know, you, you can, you know, that's, you, who knows, you can spring an upset that way. But uh, if we keep doing what we've been doing, we're going to have the same results. I can yeah. tell you that. And you got to make adjustments. You got to make adjustments. I mean, you can't. You got to. You talked about changing your, your offense midseason at yeah. the high school level. I mean, I, I think we're past that point now, but we, we can we can do some things differently. Um, I think at some point you have to start playing Raheem Jeter. Um, they say he ain't ready and, and, um, you know, I, I, I would say, how could it possibly be any worse? Um, I, I guess you could ruin the kid, um, yeah. by getting him out there too early. Uh, but in terms of the team standpoint, you know, I don't see that could be any worse. Um, I don't really think, and I hate saying this being, we had, you know, a former coach of his own. I don't think you're going to see Mason at quarterback again this year. No. I could be, I could be wrong, but I don't think you're going to. Um, I my guess is is Mason will probably be in the portal at the end of the season. I think you'll probably see Flynn start this week, and wouldn't be surprised to see Raheem Jeter moved up to the backup role. Um, could be wrong, who knows? But uh, we'll see. Um, 
But uh, is there anything else? Any more questions from the listeners, Stevie? If not, no, I think that was it. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Appreciate Justin and Emmanuel chiming in. Uh, get your questions out there, guys. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm the one. Me and Bubba are manning the the comments uh, up here. But uh, Justin Butch has said, I think you'll see both quarterbacks in the portal after this year. So I, I probably so. I, you know, I don't know. Flynn's only got one year of eligibility left. Who knows? Uh, he he may stick around. He may just be done with football. Um, who knows? I I yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's I, I look back at this season and I, and I think back if we could have just beat Rice and Charlotte, we'd be sitting here with three wins, looking at the second half of the year, going if there any way we can win three more games. You know, nobody would be talking. We wouldn't have to be talking about firing the coach. It, it would just be kind of a disappointing season, but it would kind of be yeah. what it was. My prediction is this year was, you know, I said six and six. I said I could see it's going as bad as four and eight. Um, so it wasn't like I was expecting us to be, uh, you know, winning the conference championship this year. I realized what we lost, but to be this bad is really unacceptable. And um, yeah. I know, uh, you know, and there, uh, you know, as you see on the screen, one thing that will help. Um, it ain't the answer. It ain't the full answer. No matter who's the head coach, whether it's Mike Houston, Rich Rodriguez, or somebody totally different, uh, you got to get the team boneyard, uh, you know, for NIL, for ECU. And you can join as little as $10 a month. Um, you, you can't even get a, you can't even get a combo meal at McDonald's hardly for $10 a month. No, anymore. you can't. You really for $10 can't. $10 a month. You damn sure can't for $10 a month. You can't even get one for $10 a, a lunchtime. Uh, yeah, a time, a visit. So, uh, $10 a month ain't nothing. Um, so I would encourage, you know, give more than that if you can. But yeah, look, if you think you can't afford to give, um, they wouldn't have a $10 level if they didn't think it was worth their time. So you can join for as little as $10 a month or, hey, Give a thousand dollars a month if you can, or or twenty thousand, whatever, whatever you can afford. Um, you know, join and uh, uh, help the team behind the team, and um, you know, no matter like I say, who the head coach is, uh, giving NIL will only will only help the program. Definitely. So, all right. Well, we'll. Uh, I think we're going to do Stevie. I believe we have a pirate preview coming up after this. I think, um, Bubba, is that right? Um, if it's not, stop me now. Um, but I believe if you stick around, the pirate previews coming up uh, with Bubba, Dave, and Matt. I believe. Um, yeah, Bubba said yes. That's true. Okay, I may or may not take part. Um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty out of it by, by now. I'm. I'm about podcasted out. But uh, I, I, I may join for the second half of the show, uh, if nothing else. But uh, anyway, talking about man. those old folks a while ago, and you can't hang. Hey man, look, I, I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I, I you know, I, I don't know if it's um, get into the details here. I, I'm, I use a sleep a CPAP machine, right? And, and I, I'm starting to think my CPAP machine might need to be adjusted because I have been sleepy as I can be, uh, no matter when I go to bed. So I'm thinking maybe uh, the pressure needs to be adjusted on that. So I probably need to go see another doctor about something else. I agree. Yeah, but, yeah. So, so for Norma Quick, Bubba Rosenbaum producing, and Stevie Fly. I'm Kyle from LaGrange Barber. You have been watching and listening to just another sports podcast here on the Sports Objective Podcast Network. Stay tuned. Following this episode, if you're watching live on Wednesday night, we will have a pirate preview.
And uh, again, for Stevie Fly, I'm Kyle Barber. Good night and go Pirates. See ya.